Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns insider Kellen Olsen joins Burns and Gambo to talk Phoenix Suns basketball. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Kellen Olsen, Arizona Sports. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the Valley. Uh, oh, yeah. Can you say it again? I'm Kellen. Welcome to the Valley. Nice to meet you. Courtside with Kellen. Brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Our weekly visit with Kellen Olson. Normally we do it on Thursdays. It was um, it was an off day for the Phoenix Suns yesterday, so Kellen got a well-deserved off day as well. And then, of course, the news about no, no more off day. No, no off day. There was no, no off, off day. day yesterday. We found out about uh, Kevin Durant yesterday. Kellen joining us in studio here. And um, now I, I know what the reaction has been for me. I think I can speak to Gambo as well. For you, now that it's had a chance to settle in a little bit, the, the news about Kevin Durant – your initial reaction has it changed to what it is now? Have you gone through any kind of evolution about this? Where, where do you sit with this in terms of what it means for the Suns? Uh, not really. I just think it sucks, man. I <laughs> I was I was sitting there watching it happen, and after he got up and the way that he was moving, I just thought, oh, he's fine. Like, and then when he got scratched, I was like, oh, okay. Like, well, well, the way he was moving, like maybe he's going to miss a couple of games here or whatever. Because like, it was one of those things where you watch the video from the angle that I posted and you see the way he turned that ankle and how it turned and you think that it's pretty it's pretty tough but I mean we see guys kind of tweak twist an ankle every now and then during games and they can play through it and it's fine like we see that it's the most common injury in basketball is is like twisting your ankle so I wasn't really leaning too hard any other way like I didn't see that and think he was going to be out for the year or anything like that I just okay maybe a couple of games maybe a week or two and then you get three weeks and then you do the math you're like okay you get five or ten games with him here in the regular season and then you're and then you're off to the playoffs and it's it's just a different kind of challenge for them but but I think they're going to be fine I think that's everything that uh comes down to the reaction is like they're going to be fine but would they have benefited from 10 12 more games together of course of course they would that's how the sport works yeah these soft to soft soft tissue injuries are just very common in sports and yeah. the thing with, with the ankle like we've gone we went through yesterday it's like there's three different injuries like that and you're hoping that you get the first one that's the easiest one you come back in a couple of days the second one you're out three weeks four weeks and then the third one is the worst because then you tore two legs you just don't know until you get in there and look at it but I think the thing now that you look at is you're going to be without him for a long period of time. You know, can you hold on to a home court advantage? Can you hold on to a four seed? Before he got hurt, we were talking about Memphis is in shambles. Maybe you could pass them. Maybe you could pass Sacramento. You've got two games against them. But now I I just wonder if people are thinking the other way. Instead of can you get past those two teams, can you hold off the Clippers and the Warriors? That's the way I'm looking at it. Exactly how I'm looking at it too, Gambo. When Denver kind of just pulled away from everyone, right? Like three months, like three months ago, probably. Honestly, it was like two months ago, and they just got on this tear. We just started not even talking about like home court throughout the playoffs as like this possibility, right? But if you're able to get to that two seed. You get home court for the first two series, and then if something happens to Denver, you've got home court in the Western Conference Finals. And then if you get to the East, and you have it, and then all of a sudden you've had home court this whole time. Even without the one, it's still possible in some kind of ways. But I think that that is more or less out the window. The way that I was describing it on our podcast, Gambo, is that I wasn't ruling out some crazy like sixteen and three, like you know, like fifteen and four kind of finish where they just catch flames with Durant immediately, and then those other teams kind of play five hundred ball. Now it's more about okay. Can 
Can they be 500, slightly above 500 for this time? And can any of those two teams above them fall? And can any of those teams below them not catch fire like we were talking about the Suns in that different kind of way? So you think if the Suns 500, maybe a tick or two better than 500 in their time without Durant, is that enough? Given what we know about the Warriors and their state, the Clippers and their state, do you think that's enough to hold them off? The latter, what you said there, is the most important part. They haven't proven anything to us. Those teams, are you kidding me? Like the Pelicans have just been like a mess. They've just been a mess down there. Like Dallas is still figuring things out with with Kyrie right now. I think the Warriors started to give us some inclinations that they were kind of figuring it out. But my goodness, their record on the road now, what is it? Seven and 20? Seven and 26? Seven and 27? How are you going to be a championship contender if you can't win on the road? I don't consider them a championship contender. And my goodness, the Clippers, like, I I get the idea behind Russell Westbrook, I guess, but like, I I, so I just can't uh, to not be disrespectful at all, but I just can't take them seriously enough to be the teams that could catch fire to that degree because that degree of separation we're talking about, two, three, four games, you're going to have to catch fire to some extent because if this Suns team has proven anything this year, it's that, that they can still win games throughout this kind of loss. The stat that I looked up is they've had 10 games this year where their intended starting five was out there, and then I believe it was... 14 or I'm sorry 16 other games where they just had four of those starters where they were missing a starter and they had four of them so that's 40 other games this year where they've been missing at least two starters 40 and they have this record so I think they're going to be fine it's just a matter of any other team gets hot and as you can tell I'm sure as you guys have repeated like game but like I like get Golden State has to play on the road. They can't play the rest of their games at home. No, they just can't. I, I think the Denver and I look at the way teams could defend the Suns with Durant, and yeah. I don't think I think it's Denver and the Clippers have the ability to defend. Denver could do it with Aaron Gordon and the Clippers with Kawhi and George and Man. So I, I I'm looking at it the way they defend. To me, the thing that we're, and Burns you brought this up yesterday. Like we knew this was going to be a risk. Like when they got, we always knew it was going to be. He's got a long injury history. He's 34 and a half years old. He's got a he's not, not built like LeBron. So the you know the question. Question is, and I went back and looked. The last time that he went through, um, you know, four rounds of playoff basketball, five years ago. Last year was just one round. The year before that was two rounds. The year before that he didn't play. You got to go back five years. The last time Kevin Durant, because you know, in the playoffs, it's every other day. You're playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Maybe you get two days off here and there, but for the most part, you're playing a lot. Can you know how worried are we going to be? about his ability, if he gets back, to get through four grinding playoff series, 24, 25 games over two months, can he, you know, we're going to be worried about it. It is a consistent worry in the back of your head, but until it happens, the entire reason why you did the trade is going to be shown, which is that I think with with him, there's this misconception because of the way that he got his two rings, because of him going to the Warriors, there's this like view of him as this postseason performer in particular. Like, he's just one of the best postseason performers of his generation. Like He's obviously one of the best players of all time, but there are guys at that level who sometimes in the playoffs are, are more hit or miss. Right? Like We've seen James Harden, for example, who is one of the best players of his generation without a doubt, but is he good in the playoffs? No. No, he's not. He's not good. Not good in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Duran is exceptional. He played LeBron, outplayed LeBron James in the NBA Finals and won Finals MVP. He swept a LeBron James team. Like it, he did that. Yes, he did it with Stephen Clay and Draymond alongside him, but he was 
you guys watch those games just like I did. He was the guy on that team. It was his team at that point. Like, he is that level of performer when he gets everyone healthy around him. I know the Boston sweep happened. I know things like that. But you look at what Milwaukee had to get through to get by him in that Brooklyn series where the toe was on the line. Like, he is a monster in the postseason. And, and if they have him healthy, they, they're the favorites. They got to be. We, yesterday when this news came down, we, and you cover this team, obviously, with a high degree of scrutiny and every single day. They say reevaluated in three weeks. Ah. We almost automatically just add another week to that, right? Just because the it's, do. it's them, right? Are, are we mostly correct in kind of doing that with this team, with this current regime? Yeah, I think so. I, the reporting was interesting. I think Shams having it as two weeks. Maybe they're looking at a reevaluation point of two weeks and then they assume that third week reevaluation day is going to come, but maybe that second reevaluation point, this is just me speculating, could be the, the green light that they get, but yeah, man, I'd, if I had to guess like five and a half over under the amount of regular season games or, or even lower, like three and a half that I would guess he would play for the rest of the year, like I would probably guess under. There's a back-to-back in there in that last week. Like I, w- I would probably go under. Uh, I want to ask you this because I asked this to Bernsey yesterday. Take Kevin Durant out. The Suns never trade for Kevin Durant and you find out that Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson are gone for the rest of the season. You were not thinking that the Suns are going to win a lot of basketball games. So what would be different now? Right, like, like, because if if you didn't trade for, because you're not going to have Durant for like the rest, most of the rest of the regular season, mm-hmm. likely. If you never traded for him, it, it, this is almost like, and you don't now you don't have Mikael and Cam. You're playing with Tory Craig. You're playing with Josh Kogi. You just wonder, like, how how well could they have done if they didn't have Cam and Mikael? And it's the same thing here, like how, without without KD, it's not like you've got Cam, Mikael, and and Jay coming into play. They're not. So you do question, like, how is this a 500 team the rest of the way? Maybe that, maybe a little bit better. Um, if if books move in the way that he is and looks as fresh as he does, I, I think they're going to be fine in in that regard. Especially with the form that he's found right now. Especially with the Kings coming up on the schedule, he he has killed the Kings in the first two games uh, of the season so far. I think he's shooting like some like sixty percent. I mean, he's shooting sixty percent right now or something like that in the last four games. As long as they have him there, okay. I think obviously, uh, I'm sure as you guys have talked about the last few days, like DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, if they show up and play to their level, they're going to be more than fine. Like they could win a whole lot of games. But if they have Dem Booker, like Book's capable of doing the superstar thing here for two to three weeks and keeping his team afloat here until Durant gets back. I think he's capable of that. In some ways, he becomes very much the key guy. Okay, I I know um, this is an interesting timing, to say the least, but you were able to do a one-on-one with Kevin Durant, and you're working on polishing up a really what's going to be a great story that's going to drop at ArizonaSports.com on Monday. Yeah, Yeah, so I talked to him on Tuesday before the injury, so the timing here is kind of weird and it's kind of unfortunate, but uh, the story is is about Prince George's County, which is a county that borders Washington, D.C. It's where Kevin Durant was was raised. It's where Monty Williams was raised. It's where Jared Jack was raised as an assistant coach. That's the head coach. And it's just about their bond there with PG County and just getting to know a little bit more about Kevin Durant as a person. He was very gracious with his time to give me a couple of minutes to talk to him just about PG County. And if you're unfamiliar with PG County, it is like this basketball bedrock in a way where it's a population of under a million people, but the players that have come out of there from both the NBA and the WNBA. You're talking about Len Bias, Adrian Danley, Michael Beasley, Durant, Williams. Wow. Len Jack, Bias Jared came Jackson. out of there, huh? Yeah, Adrian Danley, Danny Ferry came out of there. Danny you can look Ferry, at Ty Lawson, wow. Jeff Green. Like, they've gotten so many products out of there, and it's just a really curious story as to, like, the why, right? And, like, what gets into that, and a, a lot of what Jared Jack talked to me about there, but, like, the clip that you have in front of you, like, it's part of Kevin Durant talking about that, too. Everybody says their, their town is unique, but, you know, once you go there, it's, uh, you know, it's 
a certain accent we talk with. It's a certain <laughs> walk we have, and like you can hear it from a mile away. And it's like whenever I say see anybody around the country, out you know from the DMV area, it's like we always have to connect, you know. So being a nation's capital um, and you know, being a town full of politics, and then we got that other side of us. It's just like it's a unique balance, a unique dynamic, and you know. So to see people from my area succeeding like this is always sweet, and then to do it together is even better. It's cool. That, yeah, and that end part of what he's talking about, that's more of the focus of the story. It's the first time Kevin Durant's been traded. First time he's changed teams mid-season, so those kind of bonds help. Gambo, when you hear that New York accent, I'm sure you're like, where is that from? Exactly. Yeah. Like, you have the same kind of thing where you're from, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I had it with Beecham the other day. He's like, you're, you're from the... Yeah, yes, the way I... <laughs> certain, yeah, the way we talk. I, I, I get it. But, I, like, I can't wait to hear that because, like, Len Bias... I mean, Len Bias was the number two overall... You may not know oh. this. He was oh the number two overall pick in the draft. Phenomenal talent. Like, he would have been an all-timer. He, he, he would have kept the Celtics dynasty going. Yeah. Like, he was the number two... He was an unbelievable player at Maryland, number two overall pick in the draft, and then he died. And um, so, I, yeah, that, that's interesting. All those great players came from that area. I'm fascinated by that. It's yeah. good stuff. Can't wait to read it. Drops on Monday, right? Monday morning, yeah. Monday morning, ArizonaSports.com. Kellen, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks, Thanks for coming guys. in. And, and it, with, with the whole interview, didn't say anything about that sweatshirt you're wearing there. Go Bobcats, baby. Oh, Come on! Two years in a row. They eliminated the Lumberjacks. They no. would have been the worst tournament team of all time at Montana State. Not no fairy tale for they you, you, baby. eliminated who? <laughs> the Lumberjacks. Yeah. Call them whatever you want. When we come back, looking ahead at the games, Kevin Durant will be out. How are they going to do? We'll talk about that next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we just got done talking with Kellen Olson. Obviously, the um, the fallout from the Kevin Durant news in which he's going to be reevaluated in three weeks. It's still kind of resonating. I, I, I believe we talked about this yesterday. I am even more so than before looking forward to this Kings game tomorrow. Like, oh, yeah. I, I mean, like, oh, really, yeah. like, this is one of those ones where I haven't informed the decision maker of this, but it's like, I don't know if we have plans on Saturday night. I don't want to do nothing on Saturday night. I want to watch the Suns game because that, that to me is, okay, you don't have Kevin Durant. Let the news settle in. You're going to be without him for three weeks. You've got the number three team in the Western Conference coming into your crib. How do you do? How do you do? How do you perform? What energy level do you play with in that game? And if they play with the right kind of energy and spirit, maybe the Suns will be fine when it's all said and done in terms of maintaining where they are in the West for the rest of the season. That game tomorrow night has taken on huge significance for me. And we're going to talk about this later, but especially with Sacramento winning last night against the Knicks. Uh-huh. And yeah, they're playing good. A healthy basketball team, good basketball team. Mike Brown's done a tremendous job for them. You know, the Suns, you know, that could be, listen, if you're Sacramento, you'd love to take the split with the Suns. But you almost feel like you have a chance to bury them, you know, if you're Sacramento. You almost feel like we could bet we we beat them in Phoenix and at that point you'll be it was 26 four games up with what 13 to play like at 15 to play 15 to play you're gonna feel really good about your play yeah you feel really good about your chances to hold them off yeah and I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you but yeah it's it's in the loss column right now it's it's a three game difference between the two and and if you it's look there's still a lot of games to play you sent me a story today and I think it was what five 538.com yeah yeah that mm-hmm. that took a look at the the projections for the west the rest 
rest of the way. I was curious with that. You know, I mean, just, you know, not the most, you know, th- this isn't the be all end all. But what they did, did is they did uh, the projections and the Suns are projected to finish with a record of 47 and 35. So 47 wins and 35 losses. That's 12 games over 500. You know what they are right now? 12 games over 500. They are basically saying that the Phoenix Suns are going to play 500 basketball game the rest of the way. Yeah. They're going to play 500 basketball. Yeah. Which, I mean, would we take it? Would we go with it? Would we be fine with that if that's what it's going to be? I'll take anything as long as Kevin Durant comes back to the playoffs healthy. I mean, everybody's look. I'll take a play-in tournament. I don't care as long as Kevin Durant is healthy. You'll you can you'll roll the ball out and you'll go up against anybody. So where they finish second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, even seventh, or eighth, I don't I don't care as much. You just care about. If you get that guy healthy, you'll have a chance to beat anybody. That's the big thing. I mean, we could talk about the projections and everything like that because, look, there is definitely – you definitely would like to get home court advantage in the first round. You'd love to get home court advantage in the second round. You'd love to, you know, avoid, you know, having to go through a gauntlet of two really good teams. So I understand all that, but man, there's a lot of games left and the West is still kind of wide open for where teams are going to finish. Yeah. And, and we'll, like you mentioned, we'll get into a little bit later what happened last night with the Kings, what happened last night with the Grizzlies. They both won in, you know, somewhat impressive fashion. It's nice to see the Kings kind of get some love on national TV. I I, I think for me... I mean, obviously the injuries make it really hard to discern what's going to happen. The L.A. Clippers, for me, are still just that. I mean, you talk about a mystery concert. You went to a mystery concert last night. You had no idea idea. who was going to be walking onto that stage last night Mm -hmm. when you were at the Marquee Theater. The secret concert. To me, that's the L.A. Clippers. Like when the playoffs oh, start, yeah. they are the secret concert. They are the mystery box that you order from your favorite online retailer. Like when when the Clippers show up in a box on your doorstep and you open it up, what did you get? I get my wife every month a box from Ireland. It's called like my Ireland box. It's a box. You have no idea what's going to come in the box. So there you go, right? What's, what's, in, the, in, the what's box? in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> Yeah, it could be like potato chips. Like they got some food items, and it could be some recipes and some books and some. They just have all this different stuff. A scarf. I mean, you never know what you're going to get, but it's a box that comes from Ireland every month. She gets a box. That's the LA Clippers. The LA Clippers is the mystery concert. The LA Clippers are the mystery box. The LA Clippers are. Well, if they play the way they get, they did against Toronto the other day, they're dangerous, right? Because they, they they played a really good game against Toronto. They sure did. They held they Toronto played a under really good 40%. game. Percent. It was the first game they had. You know, it, it's it, it's all about the integration of Russell West. And if they decide Russell Westbrook's not the guy, here's I, this is the Clippers can overcome that because they can just choose not to play Russell Westbrook. Like you know, the, the Mavs they don't have that choice with Kyrie Irving. You have to play him, right? You, yes, you, you have to play him. The Clippers aren't in the same level of commitment in that relationship with Westbrook that the Mavs are with Kyrie, and so I think that gives you the flexibility. That gives Ty Lue the flexibility to go. You know what? Come playoff time, never mind. Russell Westbrook's not a good fit. I'm going to play him 14 minutes a game and see if I can win with the guys that I know I can win with. And that's what makes them so mysterious, so dangerous, so hard to figure out. Yeah. Look, if the Suns can finish fourth, fine. Fine. So here's the projections. Let's just go over them. Let's okay. uh, the West. This is what five was it? Five thirty-eight. They predict the Nuggets will be the one seed. The Kings will be the two. The Grizzlies will be the three. The Suns will be the four. The Clippers will be the five. 
The Warriors, the six, T-Wolves, seven, Mavs, eight, Lakers, nine, Pelicans, ten. That would give you, and this is what I would be kind of worried about a little bit. That would give you a first-round matchup against the Clippers with a Kevin Durant who's only, at that time, may have only played five games in four months. Yep, and that might be a problem. Right? Might be. That might, might be. be a problem, depending on how long it takes to I think to the Clippers him. would have been a problem with a healthy Durant. Because, again, the only teams I think can can beat, that are capable of beating the Suns, are the teams that can defend the Suns. And there's a lot of teams on this list that can't defend the Suns. The Clippers and the Nuggets can defend Phoenix. They can't stop them all the time, but they have the guys that can match up and defend those guys. When we come back on the Bernstein Gambo Show, is Kelvin Beecham walking it back, or is Kelvin Beecham merely explaining what he had to say? Either way, he's followed up on comments he made to us. That's next on the Bernstein Gambo Show. Arizona Sports. Breaking news. Well, well, well. There it is. There it is. Ian Rappaport, the first to report. The Bears are trading the number one overall pick to the Carolina Panthers in exchange for big-time compensation. Chicago loads up and lands at number nine. Carolina moves up to number one. Schefter then followed it up with the exact terms of the deal. It's a doozy. The Bears get number nine, number 61, a first round pick next year, a second round pick in 2025, and wide receiver DJ Moore. Okay, give me it again. Number Number nine. So they get number nine. Number 61. uh, Okay, second round pick. A first round pick next year. First next year. A second round pick in 2025. Okay. Wide receiver DJ Moore. So basically, two first, two seconds, and wide receiver DJ Moore to move down from one to nine. It's a great trade for the Bears. Sure is. If, it's a great trade for the Bears if they like their quarterback. And Carolina, but you know they now who are they taking? Are they taking Bryce Young? Are they taking CJ Stroud? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who do they take? I don't know. That's not, and, could they take Richardson? Could they? Could sure, of course. Now. The obvious, natural question is, what does this mean for the Arizona Cardinals? Okay, on the surface, it means one thing very clearly. Yes. You want Will Anderson? He's yours. Yes. He'll you, be there at three. He's there. You don't have to worry quarterbacks about... Quarterbacks are going one-two. Yep. Quarterbacks are going quarterbacks one-two. Quarterbacks are going one-two. You, 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 you do not have to worry about anybody infringing on Will Anderson. You want him, he's there. Now, here's the other thing it means. Every other team who still wants a quarterback, you've got... You're, you're on Park Place right now if you're the Cardinals. You're sitting you're, on you're, boardwalk. You're, you're in the driver's seat. You are. 100% the driver's seat. If somebody seat. loves three quarterbacks and they want to move up to get one, they can only deal with you. Yes. They yes. can't deal with anybody else. And now, oh my God. This That's is, a, you're you're okay. the team to deal with. Here's your dream scenario. Your dreamy dream scenario. Four. You, you call the Colts at four. Say, hey, look, man. We're getting a lot of calls. I'm on the phone with the Falcons. I'm on the phone with the Raiders. You want your guy, you better come up. And, you know, we'll take an extra second round pick off your hands. All you got to do is move up one spot. You can get whichever guy you want. And you still get Anderson. You still get Will Anderson. You get Will Anderson, yeah. Now, now you're not going to get the same package, right? Maybe they, no. One spot, you're probably not going to get the same. But still, I'd rather do that and end up with Anderson and just as a flyer to get another second round pick. Exactly. See, that there's a. Look, you get your quarterback, you give up your second. That's it. Not asking for a whole. 
whole lot. Yeah. That's a good trade. There'd be a temptation to move down further and get a bigger package of picks. I don't think you should succumb to that if you're the Cardinals. I think you should. Now, if you can, you got to play the game. You got to make it work. You have to convince the Colts that you're on the phone with the Raiders or that you're on the phone with the Falcons. And of course, what's going to dictate a lot of this now when free agency, my mind's just racing with all this stuff. When free agency starts next week, one of the things the Cardinals need to watch for, who among those teams in the draft sign quarterbacks? Where does Jimmy Garoppolo go? And does that change the draft plans of a team behind the Cardinals in the draft? Where do some of these free agent guys go? Because if you've got three teams in the top 10 and they all still need quarterbacks after the first wave of free agency, if you're the Cardinals, you can play those teams against each other and against the Colts. The Colts have to take a quarterback. They have to take a quarterback. And so if you're the Cardinals, you can use the desire of all of those teams against each other and kind of trick, for lack of a better way of saying it, the Colts into saying, yeah, and you want to make sure you get your guy, you better come up to three and get him. And if you can just move down one spot, still get Will Anderson. Oh, my God. The, the, the Carolina quarterbacks coach is Josh McCown. There's a there's video of Josh McCown talking about C.J. Stroud. Ooh. So there's a lot of talk that McCown Ooh. loves C.J. Stroud. I just sent the audio to Mitch. But the Panthers were ninth overall. But, yeah, the Carolina Panthers, Josh McCown, who used to play for the Arizona Cardinals, is the quarterback coach in Carolina now. And it uh, he likes C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. So maybe it's not Bryce Young, but it's C.J. Stroud that goes number one overall. And Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish and then if thought. Bryce Young goes two, a team would only move. You'd have to. You'd have to love the Florida kid. You'd have to love him. You'd have to be blown away by him, and you know to move up there. And if you're Indianapolis, you know, could you sit there and say, "Look, I'll take." The, if Stroud and Young are gone, we like Richardson and, and Levis, the next best two, but we have them kind of close. We're not going to trade with you. Somebody moves up to get one of those guys, we'll just take the other one. I'm not going to give you my second-round pick. So I'm saying if, if it is Stroud, one, mm-hmm. and then two is Young, and if you, don't, if you don't have a big separation between Levis and Richardson, could you just sit there and say, I'm not going to – if somebody moves ahead of you, let them. I'll take the other if guy. If you're the Colts, yeah. If and, you're the Colts at and, four. And if you're the Colts and you don't have much of a preference between Levis – and Richardson, you're 100% right. That kind of kills the Cardinals' steam on this one a little bit, right? They lose it. Yeah. They don't have, they don't have that steam because the, the Cardinals are still in a position to trade down if they want, but the idea of being able to trade down one spot, still get Will Anderson and get extra inventory to do it. I, I, but that's, you would think, okay, stylistically, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson are two really different quarterbacks, right? So you would think the Colts would have a preference. You would think the Colts would have an idea of which one they'd rather have. Um, But but you're right. And and if the Colts, I think Richardson's the wild card here, right? Yes, totally. Richardson's the guy that that if he did enough at the Combine where everyone goes, oh my God, I got to get that guy. He is going to be the next Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton. Then you can take advantage of that if you're the Cardinals. If the Colts prefer Will Levis Anyway, then I don't think the Cardinals have the steam to move down to four and flip spots with the but Colts. But they could move somewhere be, else. They could move 
to another to another to oh, Falcons or I'm just, somebody else. Yeah, I'm just talking about moving the down Colts. the one spot because I think you can get Levis at four. Now listen to this. This was in one of the Carolina stories that I'm looking at right now. Um, it says. Um, well, he said there's a lot to like about Young's playmaking ability. His small stature will be an issue for him to navigate through the draft process. This may not be an issue for Houston or Las Vegas, but Reich is not about short quarterbacks, and the Colts are probably looking at a bigger guy. Okay. I think the Colts are taking C.J. Stroud. Number one overall. You mean, no, the Panthers. The Panthers. I'm sorry. The Panthers. Panthers. That's okay. Well, right. Well, Reich used to be the coach for the. Right. So I'll, yeah. I'll give you a multiple. Panthers. On that one. Yeah, the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that, and now Carolina, man, David Tepper, their owner there, he's been looking for a quarterback since the minute he bought that team. Yeah, he has. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he's been, he's, he's wanted them all. Is That team's been attached to every single one of them. Now he doesn't have to worry about it. So now we're faced with the very. Real. I was going to use the word dilemma, but I'll, I'll replace it with opportunity. The very real opportunity for the Cardinals here. Will Anderson, if you love him, you can have him. Nothing is getting in your way. There are no obstacles. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. There's nothing in your way to get him. I can see all obstacles in my way. If you want to move down... You'll have every team. I'm looking at the draft order right now. Yeah, you're in the. You're getting the next call. Okay, so... Carolina is now out of the equation. Chicago moves down to nine. You could do a deal with the Colts at four. You could do a deal, theoretically, with Detroit at six. Las Vegas at seven. Atlanta at eight. Atlanta makes a lot of sense. It does. It does. If you want to move down that far, or and you stay where you're at, you take Will Anderson, and if that's if that's the way it goes, it's it's a, the question is 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 Richardson and Levis worthy of a top five pick in this draft? See, and I, I don't know that the first two guys definitely are Young and Stroud. They are based on everything we know. I don't know if the other two guys are, but you know how I know how teams that are desperate for quarterbacks yeah. will do whatever it takes. Yeah, I mean it's just it's like the, moving up to get Josh Rosen. <laughs> Josh Rosen. <laughs> the, um, and, and again, another way of looking at this, too. Okay, it's not going to be exactly the same for the Cardinals if they move down. But the Bears got this year's one, next year's one, this year's two, next year's two, and a pretty good wide receiver in DJ Moore yeah. to move down from one to nine. So if the Cardinals, now again, it's not going to be that, the same. Does that, does that take Chicago out of trading for Hopkins? Because that was a team that was mentioned. That was a team that was mentioned for DeAndre Hopkins. Certainly gives them inventory to give to the Cardinals if they wanted to. He's got, so they've got three. Well, I'm just saying they got DJ Moore. Oh, you know what? That guy's I wasn't got three, thinking that about guy, that. You're right. He's got 3,000-yard seasons. He's yeah. 25 years old. God, he's a good player. He's a good player. He's not big, but he's he's got 3,000-yard seasons. Man, okay. That, that's a really good trade for the Chicago Bears. Right. I mean, that's okay. It, it takes them out of the running of getting a Will Anderson or... Oh, now, here's the scary part. Could they get Jalen Carter at nine? Is he there at nine? Could you get... Do you want him? Would you want him? If you're the Bears... Do, do you, do you want to take that risk? Take that chance? Yeah, maybe you could now. Because you could. Because at that point, you might go, there's just too much value there for us to pass up on. So you make that sweetheart deal. You get DJ Moore, a future first, two extra seconds, and Jalen Carter, as long as he can get his way off the hook on this one. That is a sweetheart deal for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, it's a deal sometimes you have to make. If, now, the question is, do, you, do they really like their quarterback enough? Do they like their quarterback enough that they feel like he's the guy going forward? He's t- he took some steps 
this past year fields. He took some steps. He was better. I still don't know if he's the franchise guy for them, but you know they're not going to give up on him too soon. So I, you get all these picks, you build a really good roster, and listen, if he doesn't work out, you've got two first next year. Yeah. So that's the thing. If Fields doesn't work out, you've got two first next year. You could use those two first to move up, or you could draft the quarterback where you're at. I mean, clearly this trade indicates that the Chicago Bears like Justin Fields enough to to move forward with him for now. For clearly. now, but for it now. also but it sets gives them, them the up power if it, to, if yeah. it doesn't work out. You've got two first round picks next year. You could get a quarterback next year. So once again, if you're just tuning in, the Chicago Bears. But didn't I tell you I had a feeling something was coming down today in the NFL? I don't. I'm like I, I just have to, you did. You did say that before the show. Like a half hour. Before I got a the feeling show. something's gonna something's gonna I just, happen. I just kind of had it. Like there was all these you all this that. news about players getting cut, salary cap getting like space being created. Once again, the Bears have traded number one to Carolina. Chicago moves down to number nine. Carolina gives up the ninth pick. A late second round pick this year, their future first next year, their second round pick in 2025, and DJ Moore to make the move. Huge haul for Chicago. If I'm a Bears fan, I'm I'm doing cartwheels right now. Yeah. I'm doing cartwheels. And you know what? If I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm doing cartwheels too. Because you're in a position of great strength right now. Great strength. Great strength if you're a Cardinals fan. I don't think the one thing you don't have to worry about, I don't think you have to worry about anybody taking Will Anderson in the first two picks. Oh. So if that's the guy you want, you're going to get him? Yep, that is that is off. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, our weekly visit with the general manager of the Coyotes, Bill Armstrong. He'll join us next on Burns and Gambo. Arizona Arizona Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with a decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. Welcome back to the Burns and Gambo show here on this Friday. Our weekly visit with a Coyotes front office insider joining us this week, the general manager of the Coyotes. They just beat Nashville last night by a score of 4-1. to one. Bill Armstrong, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. Bill, welcome back to the show, man. How you doing today? Oh, excellent, excellent. Beautiful day in uh, Arizona, and uh, we uh, we continue to play well, and uh, you know, it's been all really, really good. Uh, explain it to me, because it really does defy logic. You trade Chikrin, you trade Gostas Bear, you trade Boogstad, you, and then you beat the Blues, and you, be, and you beat the Predators back-to-back. I mean, you know, you this team continues to play well. You continue to get outstanding goaltending, but, you know, everybody knows the plan is to acquire draft picks and assets going forward, but the team keeps playing well on the ice. Yeah, and I think that's one one of the things you know that we haven't talked about is the core still remain the same. You know, Veg Malka, Ingram. You know, you've got Moser and Belmacki on the backside. Then you know, obviously Keller and and Hayden and and, and Schmoltz have been one of the hottest lines in the NHL. And then all of a sudden you throw a second line, you know, uh, where you've got Kraus and Michelli in there, and, and they're producing with McBain in the middle. So all of a sudden, you know, you start to find these consistent things with some of our core players uh, that. We never moved, and and, and we're you know moving forward with, and that's just been uh, it's been great to watch. Tell me a little bit about the decision behind last night's goaltender, and not Veg, not Ingram, calling the kid up. Yeah. What what went behind that, and what did you think of his performance against the Preds? Well, he, he was excellent last night, but there was a thought process. He, he's a good goaltender that's been a, a prospect for a long time in this organization. And what happens is, 
you know, next year come training camp, as soon as you go to send him through down, you know, if he has to go down the minors, he's got to go through waivers. So it's just a strategic thing where we can come take a look at a player and not, you know, and have a chance to evaluate. And let's be honest, we're not going to make the playoffs just this year and we're not going to win the Stanley Cup. So it comes down to, you know, dividing the games up and getting some evaluation done with some of our top prospects. No different than we had McBain in our lineup at the end of last year. No different than we had Nathan Smith in our lineup at the end of last year. That happened. So, I mean, we explained that to the group and uh, it's a little bit awkward sometimes to have three goaltenders around. Uh, but in saying that, there's enough games that get spread out amongst them and uh, we'll get a good look at, uh, at what Ivan can do. Uh, you know, we know the kid well, Russian kid, played very well for Tucson, goals against around three, 16, 13, and four. But but give me the give me the, the GM look at him. What type of prospect is he? Well, he's big and he's mobile, you know, and that's what you like in a goaltender. He can get there. Uh, he's got explosiveness inside his body where he's, he can get there to make that big save and then nobody thinks he can get there, especially with his length. Um, he's got to work on the routine stuff at times, uh, that easy shot coming down the, to the wing. He's got to make sure he's solid on the routine uh, shots. If he can clean up a little bit of his rebounds, you've seen that last night, you know, they're jumping off his blocker where he doesn't place him in the corner, you know, and at the NHL level, that can kill you if you're a goaltender. So he's got to clean up a few things, still raw, but he's got a good base of talent there, and he continues to improve. This organization has had success with Russian goalies. I go back to Nikolai Habibulian, uh, Habibulian, and then you know, obviously Brzgalov. I mean, Brzgalov, good goalie. So this yeah. organization has had some good Russian goaltenders come through the system. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and there's a lot of great Russian goaltenders uh, inside the league, too. And, uh, you know, you got to continue to take chances on. Goaltending's hard to find, you know. It, uh, it makes a GM sleep so well at night. Like, if you look at Lou Lamorello, he it looks young. You know, Marty Brodeur, I think 20 years he went to bed and said, Marty's going to stop the puck. And, uh, and so, you know, you always look for that good goaltending. It comforts your team. And when you can get that solid guy in there every, every day, every night, it sure makes life a lot easier. Bill Armstrong, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, general manager of the Coyotes, 4-1 win over the Predators last night. We haven't talked about this guy in a while, and I'm just curious, how's Dylan Gunther doing over the last few weeks since you sent him down? Well, he's done well. He, he's you know he's on a championship team and uh, and down there in Seattle, and they're loaded from top to bottom. And you know, I, I think Dylan was uh, deeply disappointed. You know, and he looks at his NHL stats and you know how he played for us, and you know is probably a little upset to be down there. But at the same time, you know, he gets great development. He plays in all situations, and he's got a chance to win a championship. And if he can win a Memorial Cup with Seattle and lead them to to a championship, you know, he he'll now have one two championships in one year and that's that's just huge for a prospect because you know as we're going through the rebuild sometimes there's not a lot of winning at times and it's nice to get that prospect in that playoff that hard grind of a playoffs and be the leader and be the guy that you know when the puck's on your stick and you make that game winning shot like he did for team canada to, to win the world junior so we like him to be under that pressure he's at the right level right now to do that and he's got a chance to win another championship did he express that disappointment to you at the time Time, and if so, how did that kind of process into your decision making when it came to what you were going to do with him? 
Well, it is. Listen, it's devastating. Anytime you're leaving the NHL and you're going back a couple leagues, it's not a good feeling, you know, as a GM, and it's certainly not a good feeling when you see the, the prospect. But at the same time, we have to make decisions and put our players in the right situation where they're going to face, face the right pressure to kind of grow. And, you know, he's, he's seen some good levels of hockey this year at the World Juniors and also with us and, and, and also where he's playing in Seattle. So I, I believe it's going to be the best for him, uh, you know, in the long term for his uh, for his growth you got a goal out of uh out of richie last night you traded you know nick for brett um <laughs> you, you, you know you get a free look i mean obviously you get a free look for the rest of the season what do you what, what do you what are you looking for in his play over these next few weeks well, he, he, he was great last night. He actually had two great chips on net for, some, for uh, one for a goal and one for a great scoring chance. But he's uh, he played well last night. He was on the puck. He's got to play big and physical, make smart puck decisions, and, and go to the tough areas. And if he can do that, he can earn himself a, a contract. So uh, he certainly, you know, uh, he fit right into our our team last night. You know, it looked like he'd been with us the uh, the whole year, and obviously got on the score sheet. So that was huge for him to kind of feel a little bit of that love from our team. Let's talk, let's talk about Victor Soderstrom because he's a guy that, you know, there was a, there was a lot of feeling that he was going to be a really good player in this league for a long time. Uh, hasn't played a whole lot of games this year, but he is he has seemed to be coming into his own now, playing a lot better. Give me your views on how he's played. Well, the NHL in the American League and get him to earn his way back to the NHL and he did that. You know, he was one of our best players down there every single night in the American League and he just got better and better and so what we liked about his game is, is the fact that he can he can move a puck up the ice and that's, you know, get it to your forwards and he can jump in and add some offense. So last night was probably one of his best games um, that, that we've seen from him and, and that's a good sign for things to come in the future. He continues to get better but he earned his opportunity uh, went back, had a great summer of training, and, uh, and, and became a better player. And that's what we wanted to see out of him. And uh, listen, everybody's looking for a defenseman that can move a puck and, and jump in the offense. So he's he's got a chance to be a valuable member of our club moving forward. Yeah, and he's, he's not afraid to throw the puck at the net either. You know, I mean, uh, inst- you know, sometimes instead of trying to make too many passes, you'll see him just you know fire a shot. So um, he's got a good shot, and he does get the puck to the net. Yeah, and you know, let's you need scoring from the backside. You need those deep defensemen that can find lanes to get that puck through. And last night was especially good at that. He generated a ton of shots from the backside, and he's just he's got a good offensive feel to jump in. So he's you know, obviously, you know, when you're in the NHL as a young player, especially as a young defenseman, you never really like we always see on the side of management. You never really know what he's going to be like till after he's played 200 games, and that it takes a while for defensemen to get comfortable at this level and establish their game. So small small steps, but he's, he's definitely made some steps uh, from when he's come into this organization. All right, next up for the Coyotes, they're at Colorado on Saturday, then back home for what looks like a four-game homestand starting on Sunday. Bill, as always, we appreciate the time. We look forward to talking to you soon, okay? Hey, thanks, guys, very much. Have a great day. Uh, you too, Bill. That's Bill Armstrong joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back, we're at the turn here on Burns and Gambo, halfway home on this Friday. The 4 o'clock reset, including the big breaking news out of the NFL. The Bears trade the number one pick in the NFL draft. What does it mean for the Cardinals? We'll tell you all about it in the reset next on the Burns and Gambo Show.